You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. How's it going? Oh, it is going good. It is going as good as Friday was on Friday, because it was Good Friday. Yes. Yeah, how are you? I am also good, but uh, there was no Good Friday here. Well, I guess it was still Good Friday, but nobody here pays any attention to it. So yeah, it's. I think here is like a, here in Ireland. It's like the sec. I think this is the second year, only the second year where um, pubs have been open on Good Friday. Yeah, they were open last year. My but, uh, it seems like. <laughs> Yeah. My mom sent me a text of her yeah. in the pub and she was like, this is my first Good Friday in a pub in 55 years of my life. I was like, oh, <laughs> last year. Nice. She's like, yeah, but I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I, I went to a house party last year, like like someone from 2015, you know, <laughs> had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, uh, I went to a pub last night. But um, I feel like this year is the first year. So this is something that's always been the case in Ireland, uh, that some people work Good Friday and some people don't. Um, just depending on who you work for, what company. I think it's usually like a public sector, private sector kind of thing. Okay. Uh, but this is this seems like the first year that people realized, oh wait, some people do work, some people don't work. And it was all over social media, it was all over the radio. Like, do you work a Good Friday? Let us know. And uh, yeah, I think it just entered the discourse for the first time. That people are like, hey, here's a Good Friday. It's different for everybody. That's very strange. Why? Why was everyone talking about it this year in particular? <laughs> I don't know. I think. Um, that's so unusual. I, my, my my theory is that uh, because a lot of people were like drinking early in the day because it was it was uh, it was kind of you know the start of the summer here. Uh, it was really kind of you know bright sunny day, so a lot of people were kind of you know day drinking down in the park. Um, so like you know some people were kind of you know yeah, you know finish their work at two or three, uh, you know, getting getting a drink on early. Uh, so I think because pubs are open and because of the sunshine, people started to realize, oh, hey, my friends are out drinking, but I have to work till five. That's strange. <laughs> Yeah, I guess people were uh, Very odd. feeling a bit jealous. Yeah. Exactly. All right, well, well. I'll, I'll mention again that we've lost Kieran again uh, to Easter weekend this time. So a lot of family stuff going on Easter weekend. So uh, we'll have Kieran back with us yeah. next week. Uh, of course, Easter doesn't exist here. And uh, Al, you obviously just have nothing going on, right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> I've, I've, um, yeah, that's what I, I'm just... Today, I'm surrounded by uh, Magic Cards. Uh, I'm sorting through my collection. That's uh, my my uh, easter saturday nice I, I had a good friday but i'm having a magic saturday Ooh, lovely well let's make like it more magic uh usually we don't record on saturday actually we're recording slightly early this week yeah but, um still be up at the same time i suppose so we'll, let's make it even more magic by going through some final uh preview cards here from from more of the spark um the full set's been previewed now so we can close out our review i suppose of these of these new cards um and then get talking about some decks that we've started building in our shared google document that we were feverishly, feverishly typing away at there yep um so we'll start with white i'll just pick out a few cards that interest me if you see anything that you want to talk about just uh yep. just jump in um cool the first one here it's a bit of a, a bit of an underdog uh well underdog is probably the wrong word uh it's a it's a creature type cat it's a Charmed Stray. It's 1-1 one, one for a lifelink. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one, plus one counter on each other creature you control named Charmed Stray. So I know at the moment there's no, like, Cat's deck in standard, but there was until very recently. Yeah. Uh, maybe. That's true. Can we do Cat Tribal and Modern? 
Ooh, I did not think of that. Um, I'm going to have to start thinking again. again. Uh, I mean, I guess, I suppose a lot of payoff cats are like expensive. Like, you know, they cost like four mana, right? I mean, the the, the cats that really do pay, that really pay it off for being a tribe rather than these guys. Like, there's no two mana cat lord, as far as I know. I could be wrong, but there is there are some uh, I think we, lords, I think, aren't there? Already? Okay. So um yeah, possibly, possibly, but um All right, that, that I'm trying to think of very outside chance for that one. But uh interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If it's it, you yeah. can have uh, as many as many cards named Charm Stray in your library as you want, or in your deck as you want. That'd be something. Yeah, I was expecting to see that. Yeah, I was, I was disappointed that it didn't have that text. That'd be funny. Yeah, uh, I wonder how those work out in limited. Um but every so often we see a limited card like this that you know uh, rewards you for going deep. Yeah. Um, combo. The right one. Uh, this could be a good one. Like co- combo with the Johnny's pride mate because I was lifeling. Oh my god! <laughs> also a cat. Also a cat. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> no, we could go deep on. I mean, it's it's it right here. Playable one drop. Yeah. Scryfall search creature type cat. Oh yes, my favorite. Uh, okay, moving on to something that might actually see play. This is a reprint. Defiant Strike. Uh, white for an instant target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn and draw a card. So uh, this saw play in like heroic decks back in the day, and we have the makings of a new heroic deck now with Feather. I think we talked about Feather last week, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, so you can cast this on Feather, and you know you draw a card, and then you'll get it back at the end of the turn, and obviously you're getting your plus one plus one. Yeah, pretty sweet actually. I think it's. Um, I mean, it's, we're not seeing many uh, heroic payoffs, I mean, as many heroic payoffs as we would in a heroic set. Uh, but I mean, you know, yeah, heroic, heroic decks, they only need a few payoffs to really come together. And this is something like this does happen in the future. We, um, yeah, Defiant Strike is going to be pretty sick. Uh, I think some people are have speculated that we might get, might be going back to Theros sometime soon as well. So there could be a, a return of heroic in the future, maybe. I don't know. Like, I, I'd say. Yeah, that's true. Probably the next like set or two that we go to will be. Um, will be a new plane because we haven't been somewhere new in yeah. a while. But after that, maybe a return to Theros, like maybe a year from now. And uh, you know, these are the kind of cards that you have to keep in your mind if that happens. Yeah, I, I was reading some comment today. It was like, oh, we're going to go back to Theros. We're going to turn uh, Gideon's going to fight uh, Helioid. Uh, Gideon's going to become a god, and Elfitz Elfitz could be saved. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's more complicated and more interesting than that. But I would like to go to Theros at some point and see some heroic cards. I mean, Gideon's not fighting anybody now. I know. I mean, he, he, he's been... I don't know, obviously, just jumping ahead. Uh, but uh, if he's worshipped as a hero on Theros, I think that means he can become a god. Could be. We'll start worshipping him. Yeah, I think he could be. Um, but isn't he... What, I don't know what's like, heroes, so. I know there's there's a card in this set later on that kind of indicates that his soul is back on Theros or whatever. Gideon's dead, by the way. If... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just rip that band-aid off. Yeah. <laughs> he died. Yeah, Gideon dies in the fight against Bolas. He, he sacrifices himself to save Liliana. Um, yeah. Yeah, th- this has all been officially nice. previewed now, so I think we're okay talking about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there is a card later on that kind of shows maybe like Gideon's like quote-unquote afterlife or where his soul goes or something like that. But I was under the impression that people hated him on Theros because... <laughs> Because of what he did, like he, he got his like people loved his irregulars, like when he was the leader of the irregulars, but then he got all the rest of them killed. And so then I thought that people disliked him because of that. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly there. Maybe some lore I think, um, listener that we have could uh, I think that's, sort us out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the regulars that are in the card art that we'll see later on of him in the, in, in the afterlife. Uh, and they seem to they're all happy and they forgave him. Oh, well, they, um, the, yeah, they forgave him. It was an accident, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it was yeah. an accident, yeah. 
It was like he he tried to kill Erebos, and then Erebos um, threw his like spear or whatever at um, at, back at him, and Gideon used his uh, his invincibility, but it just created like a big explosion, and all everyone around him died. Um, It's like the episode. It's like the episode of Simpsons when uh, the meteor is coming down and it gets redirected onto Moe's Tavern. Yes. Oh, God, no! <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. So the Irregulars are Moe's Tavern. Uh, and it's... Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We, we, might, we might be off, uh, off base here with this lore talk. Uh, maybe someone can correct us. But uh, as far as I know, that's what it is. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on to a, yeah. another... We'll come back to, we'll come back to it. <laughs> we, yeah. Uh, Finale of Glory. So this is a finale cycle. These uh, this matches the uh, hour cycle from Hour Devastation. So Finale of Glory. These are all big X spells with a double mana, double color costs in their uh, mana costs. So this is X white white for a sorcery. Create X two two white soldier creature tokens with vigilance. If X is ten or more, also create X four four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance. So this is kind of so they they all have this same clause, like if X is ten or more, then do something else. But like this one, like what? Like let's say you do cast it for X is ten, and that's so that's twelve mana, right? You're getting ten two two, so you're already getting twenty power vigilance, and then you also yeah. just get an additional forty power with, so you get sixty power. Yeah, I think it's for twelve mana. Is that yeah, I I feel like the way we have that. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's it's very good when you when you get this extra mode off or when it's X is over ten. But let's just say if if it didn't have this extra clause, it was just create X two two white soldiers with vigilance, uh, and you managed to you know make X equals ten and get put 20, 20 power on battlefield this way. Like you're still you're winning just as much as you are the angels in the air, right? Yeah, I mean probably in that situation you would I I mean there's a number of things that could be going on. Either it could be like a top deck war. Or it could be a big board stall. So if, if it's a big board stall, then I guess you may not be able to attack. Even if you were able to attack with everything then, you might not be getting through for a lethal or something. Um, so like the flying obviously helps you. But like imagine this just against any like type of control deck or something. You just cast it for X equals whatever. You get a you get a full board. That's good. But how likely are they to just have a sweeper? And when are you ever gonna cast this for X equals ten? Like in your white weenie deck or white mid-range deck, you're not really planning to get up to 12 mana at any point in the game. And at all the lower kind of X costs, this is like not that good. It starts to be okay at X equals two. So like X equals one, you get one, two, two for three mana. That's terrible. So like History of Benalia is yeah. obviously much yeah. better than that. Uh, X equals yeah. two, you've got uh, Galant Cavalry, which is already a card in standard. So it's four mana. It's actually easier to cast because it's single white. And you get two two twos. Uh, X equals three, I think, is where this starts to get okay because you get three, so you're getting six power and toughness for five mana. And then anything over that, like it's quite good. But like if you think about the white weenie decks in standard now, it's very very rare for them to get to that high of a mana cost, and they mostly rely on convoke for their high cost spells. So I, I don't see this having a real place unless I don't know. There's some kind of white control deck that wants to use this as a finisher, but like any white control deck probably is going to be using uh, Teferi as their finisher. Yeah. Uh, or or Lyra, if they have to play, if they want to play a you know, creature. I guess, like you said, yeah, this starts to get good when X equals the, when, you know, the CMC is five, then when you're getting three, two twos, but then at that point, you're competing with Lyra. It's like, you know, Lyra's going to stabilize you a lot more yeah, the, than the game with it. The lifelink first strike body might stabilize you better in that case. Yeah. Yeah, so 
Yeah, but like because these are spells, because these are flexible, like maybe they are. Like I can see these being better than we think they are. Yeah, but it's still. I mean, but I think so far other ones we'll see other ones later on. Uh, this one does seem very weak. All right, moving on. Uh, we've got God Eternal Oketra. So this was the only one that hadn't been spoiled last week. Um, so it's three white white for a three six double strike legendary creature zombie god. And whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. And then same clause as the other gods. When it dies, you can, or exiled, you can put it into your library third from the top. You cast any creature spell, you get a 4-4. Four, four. So you cast a, a Danto Vanguard, you get a 4-4, four, four, plus the Danto Vanguard. Or if you cast a Haunted Witness, you get a 4-4. Four, four. This is crazy. Yeah, which is pretty insane. And it's uh, already, I, I think the... A 3-6 double strike itself. Yeah, I, mean, I think, I think that, that is very, very good. 3-6 <laughs> double strike. Um, and like, like you, you just, I think once you cast one creature with this, you're, you're, you're gonna be very far ahead. Um, so I, I think it's very easy to see that it being five mana, it's not gonna fit, you know, right into our white weenie deck. So a five mana, if we, if our curve has gone up to five, do we still, do we still want to be playing one drops? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's kind of like you know, a, a, a tension because one drops go very well with this. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're playing like, some, no. some kind of green white or red white mid range deck or a black white mid range deck. Uh, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, I think in those is perfect. Under yeah. Aggro deck. Yeah, like um, your uh, oh, what's called? Yeah, like like you know, the, like the black white uh, hero pressing to one kind of decks. Um, yeah, because yeah, I guess yeah, it's you know, that's when you're you kind know, of playing white with a big curve, but also playing some yeah, some cheap some cheap creatures, some two drops. Like maybe you don't even need like maybe like maybe you don't even need uh like one drops made it too very good. Like you can just I don't know. Imagine untapping with this and playing three three two drops on the next turn. Yeah, I mean any any creature that you even just like, gives you gives you yeah like you just yeah imagine us on top of this and just playing um you know Shalai or 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 uh, Lyra or something uh, like four four vigilance is huge yeah like the, the these tokens they're they're massive and they have a good keyword I mean they are yeah they are eternalized versions of the, you know they're they're the Eternals from Amonkhet so oh yeah of course yeah um. I don't know. This just seems so pushed to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's 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 kind of win more <laughs> in a way, but at the same time, it just dominates any mid range board. Surely. Yeah, and if you're if you're a bigger deck, like there's gonna be no attacks against you for the for the rest. Of, as long as this is on a battlefield, maybe even for the rest of the game, like bonuses can attack 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 you through you. Like imagine this against uh, something like the um like the Gruel uh, Warrior deck. Like you know everything's gonna get uh, wrecked by you know a three six double strike. Yeah, like the the only the only out you have, like if I was playing against against this with with uh, Gruel Warriors, the only out or the only hope that you would have is that you top deck like one of your dragons or something, and you can maybe get in for the last few damage. Like obviously this doesn't have any kind of life link; it doesn't grant life link. That's probably the only weakness. But I'm sure, like in a white deck, you can find something <laughs> to give life link. Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, this this. Yeah, yeah. So it's I I, I think I got you a few turns. Okay. I'm having a hard time imagining what actual deck it goes into, but if it's ever on the board, I just feel like this is like when you think about like the Scarab God. The Scarab God was really good because you could like eternalize things from the graveyard, but this it's like for free almost. Yeah, I was I was reluctant to um, name the Scarab God in the same sentence as as, as this new card, but uh, the fact that you've done it first, <laughs> I can say that this. I think this is comparable to the Scarab God in terms of like when you when you tap out to, to play this. Uh, as once you won't tap, you're gonna be so far ahead. Um, yeah, it's one like Scarab God. This was nothing by itself, uh, but like 
yeah, just a creature-heavy deck. Um, I suppose that was the uh, one of the advantages of the Scarab God was that um, you could play it as kind of like the last card in your hand, and then you have access to all these graveyards. Whereas this, if you play it out as the last card in your hand and you don't have a creature to follow up, it's not quite as good. But like if you've built your deck around it, or you've built your deck in such a way that you have a lot of creatures, then you're drawing very, you know, you're, you're likely to draw a creature. And once you cast one creature and get this trigger once, you're already massively advantaged. Yeah, and then like imagine like something like Militia Bugler. Like imagine that. Oh this, God. On top, play Militia Bugler. Get another, get another, you know, Tatsani or something. Um, get another. Yeah, I'll, I'll just, yeah, Bugler, Bugler, Buglers for days. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, moving on to a card that can maybe put a stop to some of these powerful permanents. Uh, we've got Prison Realm. So another spoiler: Bolas has been defeated. He's stuck in his meditation realm, now known as the prison realm, forever. He has no names left, so I don't know what we're supposed to call him from now on, but whatever. Uh, yeah, do you know? Uh, do you know what the what this what to do with names is in the lore that he can't be someone because you know how that works? Uh, I don't know what it is. I I know that when in M nineteen when they did like the Bolas backstory, uh, they made it a big deal that he had two yeah. names or like uh, I think. His his original name was just Nickel, right? And then he gave himself the second name of of Bolas because like dragons need to have two names or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what the hell because it was like him and Ugin were born together, so they each only had one name, right? Yeah. All the other elder dragons had two names, so it's kind of I don't know. It's weird. I I think they've yeah. only recently introduced that kind of a thing, but uh, I'm I'm not sure. Okay, exactly exactly. What the significance is. I'm I'm sure it sets us up for like. Ten years down the line, someone discovers a dusty old book with his name and like summons him back, and we're gonna have him back as a bad guy. Yeah. I, I like that they haven't killed him off because like he's a really good villain, so I, I'd be happy to see him come back like ten years from now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's kind of um. I feel like it's almost like we go through cycles of oh, Aldrazi, they're cool. Oh no, people are bored with that. All right, uh, Bolus. All people are bored of Bolas. Uh, let's go back to Frexians. Yeah. Uh, all people are bored of Frexians. How about Eldrazi? <laughs> it's pretty clear we're getting the Frexians. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I think uh, we're, we're due yeah. for a Frexian storyline. Yeah, I do like that. Hopefully they come up with some new villains after that, though, for a while. Um, anyway, this card, Prison Realm. It's uh, Oblivion Ring, kind of. It's uh, two and a white for an enchantment. And when it enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. And when it enters the battlefield, scry one. So... It doesn't get any permanent, it only gets creatures and planeswalkers, but those are probably the most important permanents that you want to be exiling with something like this. And the scry one that you get when it comes in is not nothing. It's a nice little bonus. So I think this is definitely strong enough to see constructed play. Probably, um, I was going to say maybe only in sideboards, but I think it could be a main deck card, actually. Yeah, because I suppose like it's... Yeah, because I suppose yeah, the downside is limited to um, yeah, creatures, planes, planes, creatures and planeswalkers, but like if this is competing with... I don't know, what's this competing with at the moment? Um, like Unclaimed Tribunal, which you know is four mana, but can be can be three mana. Needs setting up. Extends um, binding is more expensive. It has your effect. No scry. Uh, yeah, I think, I think this would actually yeah, because it's 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 not, it's not like there's it's not like there's something really very strong in a three mana slot already. Uh, if it does see play, it'll be because it's you know more limited and cheaper, more efficient, um, and it just happens to have the scry one attack onto it. Yeah, I think I think it just gets it there. Um, obviously, insane and limited as well. It'll be one to first pick. Definitely. All right, moving on to blue. We have Commence the End Game. It's an instant, four blue blue, can't be countered. Draw two cards, then a mass X, where X is the number of cards in your hand. I love this card. Can't be countered. 
Draw two. Draw two is not very much for six mana, but still, a mass X, so you're guaranteed at least a 2-2 two, two out of this. Yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know, imagine a 7-7 seven, seven with Flash, would you pay that for six mana? A 7-7? Seven, that draws you two cards? With Flash? What? Explain that again. Yeah, because you're, you're massing. I mean, I say, well, like, well, a very good case scenario is you have you have six cards in your hand, you cast this, open seven, then you're, you're you know, instant speed making a 7-7. Seven, seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, the obvious comparison is like Torrential Gearhulk flashing back. Like, uh, no, we sure, yeah, actually, that's a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, sometimes you're going to be getting less of a body and you don't get like select, like, you don't get the flashback or removal spell, you're just getting a draw two, but it also can't be countered. So, that's something I, I did. This is a good card, probably in control decks, maybe. I don't know, it's a bit funny because, like, if this is the only creature you have in your whole control deck, then you're opening it up to be removed. But at the same time, you're drawing two cards, so I don't know. Uh, and then, like, in mid-range, like, a mass-type decks, or even, even I think, in mid-range decks to fight against control decks, because it can't be countered. Like, if you can play this on, like, their end step or something, um, I think it could could be good in, maybe not Sultai, but, like, some kind of other, like, a Demir mid-range deck or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, like, you know, playing this in combat is, is something. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's a very interesting card, because I think it almost makes you want to I don't know, do stuff like keep a land in your hand to get like a 6-6 six, six rather than a 5-5 five, five, uh, based on what the clock is. Yeah, sure. It, do you see do you something like that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of... Changes play. I think, I, think there, I think there actually is a lot of... Yeah, I think there's a lot of play to this card. I don't think it's like amazing or anything. I just, I like it. Um, yeah. Moving on to Finale of Revelation. So this is the second one in this cycle. It's X blue blue for a sorcery again. Draw X cards. If X is 10 or more, instead shuffle your graveyard into your library draw X cards, untap up to five lands, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game, and then exile this, exile finale of Revelation. Yeah, so, ooh, let me think. I have, yeah, I, I think again, if you just, what are you going to say? Honestly, I have no idea about this card. I do not know if it's good. It, because it's a sorcery, it makes me feel like it's not good, and if you're ever doing it for X equals 10, I mean, <laughs> surely there's something yeah, you can be doing. Yeah, like, yeah, drawing 10 cards... Uh, you don't need all this sort of stuff to win the game if you've drawn 10 cards. Yeah, I mean, it is nice to get the the five lands untapped. You can do something like draw, you know, draw loads of cards and then um, play a Teferi out of your hand or something like that. Um, uh, maybe this is worth it in, as like a one-of in, a, in like Esper Control. Because some, sometimes you get to that stage in the late game where you have like a bunch of lands on the battlefield and you've, you've played... Uh, a mid-range deck to to a standstill where they've got you're both top decking and like if they top deck like an action spell you're under a huge amount of pressure so then this thing will be perfect because you get to refill your whole hand plus on top some lands if you're up to 12 mana even if you're not up to 12 mana if you're only up to like if you have like let's say eight or nine lands on the battlefield just to draw a completely new hand is is pretty perfect in that situation yeah i think you're right actually yeah i, I... So, yeah, I'm, I'm playing Grixis Control at the moment, and I've been in that very same situation where, yeah, we're both top decking. Uh, it was like I might be ahead on land or ahead on card advantage, but you know I need something to close the game out. And they play a threat, uh, and then I'm like, oh, then I need to draw removal and a threat to close the game. Uh, whereas obviously this in this situation would be uh, very good. All right. Um, next, I want to talk about Narset's Reversal. It's a blue blue for an instant. Copy target instant or sorcery spell. You then return it to its owner's hand. You may choose new targets for the copy. So. Is this another card 
that gives redundancy to the Ral Storm Conduit, Conduit combo, or is it not? I'm, I can't tell. So, like, let's say you have an opt and expansion explosion and this in your hand. Does that work? Can you do the infinite combo with that? So, you opt, uh, copy it with expansion, copy expansion with this, and then expansion, you expansion, this resolves, expansion, expansion back in your hand. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, hang on. Where's the infinite mana coming from? Oh, but then, hold on. Uh, hold on. So, you copy. So you opt, hold, hold priority, and then expansion on the opt. Continue to hold priority. Narset's reversal on the expansion. Allow Narset's reversal to to resolve. Narset's reversal now copies the opt, I guess, because the expansion is back in your hand. So Narset's reversal is now it has has copied the expansion. So the copy of the expansion is targeting yeah. the sure, yeah, the opt. the opt. And now if you have two more mana. You can cast your expansion again, targeting the copied expansion. Does that work? Yeah, that that, that, that sounds like it works. Um, <laughs> We're gonna need a judge in here. So are we? Are we? Yeah. Are we get? Are we getting infinite mana somehow? Well, what else? What else are we doing? So we opt three times as a result of this. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, we don't opt three times. We do the the Ral Storm Conduit combo, where the exp- oh sorry yeah yeah okay each other yep. and then deal one damage every time. Oh yeah 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 okay right. I think that works. I, I would need a, a judge to to tell me for sure because I'm not sure how expansion interacts with copies. Um, does well, it? I'm a judge and I think it works. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Alright, judge, but I need I need like a level two judge. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Next up, uh, spark double three in a blue for an illusion. You may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature or planeswalker you control, except it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter if it's a creature. Or an additional loyalty counter if it's a planeswalker, and it isn't legendary if that permanent is legendary. So you can copy a planeswalker. This is a very interesting card. Yeah, and I feel like the initial counter really pushes it. Pushes it because like a lot of planeswalker designs, especially these new ones, have like um, a design around it can you know plus you, you can you can, like ha- one play pattern for a lot of planeswalkers is a plus minus minus you know so like a lot, a lot of planeswalkers can't minus twice if they just come in you know with, with a starting loyalty. Um, say something is uh, as five has a uh, multiple five. You cast this, it comes in with six. If you can just minus minus um, you know, across two different turns, it's like a it's kind of opening up an aspect in the planeswalker that you never would have had. Yeah. Uh, otherwise. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you can do stuff like can have like one go up, one go down. Yeah. And it, when you copy a planeswalker like this, it comes in with its or, its original loyalty, not whatever loyalty it has now, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We did loyalty printed on it. Yeah, so like if you use this, if you use this one of the uncommon planeswalkers that you've already used a bit, so that it's sitting at one loyalty, and then you copy it with this, it'll come in with its full new loyalty and be ready to be used again. So that's a that's kind of a yeah yeah a case where you could get some good value out of this. Yeah, it seems pretty sweet. Um, and then it's kind of like it's 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 very easy to forget about all the legendary creatures we have, you know, from like Dominaria. Um, like surely there's some. It's like when when they print legendary. Oh my god! Actually, there was I remember there's one creature creature before. Uh, I was literally thinking, oh, if you can have two of these in play somehow, it's insane. Uh, naturally, I can't remember what it is, but I think it's it was Randomine Dominaria, something like I can't I can't remember, but something like uh, and imagine having like two you know Adelaide's or uh, I don't know two the two Lyras or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's it's gonna make you win harder when you're already winning in in, in some cases. But as we're looking at you know the, the cheaper uh, legendary creatures. To, to see what kind of stuff you can unlock, because there, there are a lot of interactions you can do now with this card that we couldn't do before. Yeah, uh, it's important to remember that it is um, it is blank 
if uh, if you don't control anything. So like if you don't have a, a creature or a planeswalker, you can't actually ca- cast it. Well, you can cast it, but it'll just die. So if you if you cast this in July, um, then they, they both have hexproof, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah they both have hexproof. Yeah. Oh yeah, your so your board just can't be disturbed at all. That's pretty good. Yeah, that for rats. Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, moving on to black. Uh, did we talk about the Elder Spell last week? We did not, no. We did not. Um, okay, so the Elder Spell. Uh, this card is a bit crazy. It's a black, black for a sorcery. Destroy any number of target planeswalkers. Choose a planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each planeswalker destroyed this way. So, worth saying that if your opponent has two planeswalkers and you have Nickel Ballas Dragon God, you can just kill their two planeswalkers and then ultimate your. Nickel Bolas and most likely win the game right there and then. Yeah. But other than that dream scenario, what what else do you think about this card? Um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's plenty plenty of dream scenarios. And even if you could like, if I suppose like it is narrow. Um, it's very this card is the same when you look at it first. Then you realize, oh well, you know, are we always going to get value out of it? We, we, it's is this just like is this just a good efficient sideboard card? Um, do we want to be playing Frasca's Contempt instead of it? But then oh, I don't know. I think I think like surely because all the things walkers in, in this in in this set. Like, is the average number of planeswalkers in a standard deck going to increase like significantly you know, going into the next season? It has to, right? I think that's a yeah. I'm not sure about that. It's a hard question to answer, and it is going to be one of the one of the key questions to answer in the coming weeks, in the first weeks of War of the Spark Standard, and also it's going to be a key question for for this particular card um, of whether it's like main deckable. Probably not main deckable in, in most scenarios. I would say. It's not likely that like everybody in standard is going to be running planeswalkers, but yeah, out of the sideboard, I think it's a surefire hit. Yeah, because it's like it's a one man of or it's a, it's a one sided uh, planeswalker ras. Yeah, I guess as well you, you mentioned uncommon uncommon planeswalkers. I can't take up. Yeah, like, this is another way of cashing them in. Um, Absolutely. Like, so let let's, let's say if you're playing like for whatever reason you're playing uh, uh, Nicole Bodasek, uh and you have some uncommon planeswalkers, are you just getting a little bit of value out of? Like, is this main deck main deckable then when you're going to get value out of it? Uh, you know, if your opponent has no planeswalkers, you're going to get value out of this on your own planeswalkers. Yeah, that's that's a key part of it. Is destroy any number of target planeswalkers. You you can target your own side, so you can you can cash in all those things to power up one planeswalker. And you know, it doesn't have to be Nicol Bolas. Obviously, that's pretty good to ultimate yeah. Nicol Bolas because he says you win the game on him. But you know, there are other planeswalkers like Liliana. That you might want to ultimate straight away as well. Uh, I think if there is like a black-based tap-out control deck, maybe a either Esper or just black-white or black-red or Grixis. If it has a lot of planeswalkers, this could be a main deck consideration. I I think it would be a push. I I would probably bulk at at actually including a main deck, but I could see a build where you where you do. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, it's it's kind of like, and then like when you're sideboarding it, it's it's so let's let's say or let's say if if it is a success as a sideboard card, you will be kind of having a real kind of interesting tension of I don't know. Let's, let's say if you're if you're control deck against um like right now if you're control deck against Gruel, uh usually right you're going to bring in some creature removal spell, but then the next level is thinking oh well part of their sideboard plan is to bring in Vivian you know to to diversify their threats, so you're going to have to bring in a certain number of negates as well to, to kind of hedge against that. Um, so whereas even if they if they outlevel you and don't uh, diversify the threats, don't bring in planeswalkers, like oh, you're in the gate, still probably might find a target somewhere. Uh, whereas if you play that same kind of game with the elder spell, um, if you anticipate uh, a sidewalker, you know, sideboarding plan from your opponent and they don't go through with that, this will just be a dead card. 
Yeah, that's true. Unless you book your, your... The negate will probably be better anyway, because with this one, they they always get at least one activation of their Planeswalker before you're able to kill it. So, I mean, the negate just gets rid of it yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I Like, uh, and you probably want a card like like Bedevil or something more, or Vrasa's Contempt more, because that's more flexible. It deals with the Planeswalkers and creatures. Yeah, I think this is probably only for... Only only against Planeswalker heavy decks or decks where you know that they will have a Planeswalker after sideboard decks like Esper Control where you know you know that they're going to have to ferry and they might ha- might have other stuff yeah. like Aya and Karn. Yeah, I think I think what's what's very interesting about this card is it's kind of card that like it kind of has an effect in the format even if it doesn't see play. Like if you're against a Grixis Control deck and you're a little bit ahead on Planeswalker on board, uh, because this card exists exists means that you probably don't play your second Planeswalker. Uh, yeah. You probably don't go, don't risk to blow out because uh, it's like oh I'm ahead now but if I play a second Planeswalker and they on top and go bolus to elder spell I lose so maybe you just you just can't afford to ever play a second Planeswalker against uh, Grixis even if this never sees play. Yeah, like playing as Grixis, I have noticed that like usually Esper opponents are able to outgrind you and like sometimes in game two games two and three that they do get to a situation where they have like. Teferi and Karn and Kaya on the board, so they, they just have to be super careful with that and like only get yeah. into that kind of a situation if they have counterspell backup because you could just elder spell yeah. them out of the game. Exactly, yeah. It's a, it's a very very interesting card that way. And then what if I I mean what if you've sandbagged your nickel bolus and you play your nickel bolus first and they're like, Okay, well, I'm gonna use my absorb or I'm gonna use my negate and then you're like, Okay, well, I'll just you know, your plan was to ultimate the nickel bolus, but they've countered it, so then you just play the Elder Spell and you kill all their Planeswalkers. You're like, okay, well, that was was kind of fun, yeah. really. Yeah, exactly. Then what, what if you have a whole lot of mana and you just go, on your turn, you go uh, Planeswalker, 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 Bolus, Elder Spell. Ba-boom, boom, bam! <laughs> Seems very unlikely. It's like Splinter Twin. <laughs> cost of, well, it's more likely than you know, casting Finale of whatever for 10, X is 10. Yeah, I guess. Oh, no, maybe not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's four cards. Okay, next we have Finale of Eternity. So this is the, the black one in the cycle. Um, so again, it's X black black, uh, sorcery. Destroy up to three target creatures with toughness X or less. If X is 10 or more, return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this one, this one seems kind of hard to evaluate for me. Th- this one, in, in some ways, is the best one, and in some ways, the worst one. Because like, X is 10 or more, toughness X or less. So you're always destroying only three creatures, no matter how much X you pump into it, but they're just bigger and be- bigger creatures. So it kind of seems like you're never yeah. ever going to cast this for X's 10 or more. Yeah, I got it. I mean, here's all really target creatures. So it's like there's, like, I think when we get to X is equal to two, um, does, like, it, it, is this just going to kill everything that a ritual assault can kill? Um, uh, yeah, I, I think this then would it, be... A replacement for like a ritual assault type card in like Grixis decks or or black black control decks without white because like killing three creatures is really good. Like if you imagine this against um against white weenie or against mono red, like if if you do like X equals two and you destroy like Biashino Pyromancer, a Gitu Lava Runner, and a uh, Fanatical Firebrand, that's pretty great. Or even if you do X equals one and you just kill two of those, like it has the flexibility of sometimes you can cast it for three mana. Um, against White Weenie, I think it might be a bit worse because they tend to flood the board, and also they can get their toughness up pretty high, pretty fast. But like, I don't know, maybe it's it's kind of good against like History of Banalia for like X equals two, 
because then you're not you're not spending multiple cards on it. Um, I'm not sure exactly where this fits, and the X equals ten just yeah. seems so unlikely because you you're never going to need to spend ten on it right to kill any particular creature usually. Like the only thing that I can think of that's like really high toughness is uh, Galta, and that's twelve. So you would have to spend fourteen mana on this. To kill yeah. Galta. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so not really. There's not really decks that play multiple big huge creatures. You know what I mean? Like, there's not, like if um, like, are there going to be many decks that have like three creatures with five toughness or more on the battlefield? Like that doesn't really happen right now. I mean, I maybe like Grohl, the Grohl Stompy deck or Grohl Midrange deck. Could have like a couple of gross spellbreakers and uh, Skargan Hellkite. That would be really good if you paid like seven yeah. and killed three of those. But at the same time, you know, Esper can do that for four mana with Kaya's Wrath. So, and you're you're not getting the bonus off this in that. Yeah. Like it feels like you should get the bonus at that point with this card, but they haven't given us the bonus with this one just to keep it in in line with the rest of the cycle. But it kind of feels like the bonus should be there. Even if X is like slightly less than tell ten, like if X is like six or seven, the bonus should be there. I feel like with this card. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a bit of a yeah. And that's like yeah, because then if we're talking about kind of if we're looking at this like a rat, like if we're evaluating the same way, we would evaluate a rat. Um, like we like you want you you, have, you want to be in a creature heavy deck with this anyway uh, to get uh, value out of the X if, if you're planning on never getting value out of the X because it is one of your graveyard. Maybe I'm looking at it because yeah the. Yeah, the X kind of leads you down the path of I need creatures in my own deck. Um, but maybe they yeah. don't need to be like really good creatures. Maybe they could just be like Nicobolus the Ravager. Like they don't they don't need to be creatures that t- typically go in a, in a creature heavy deck. They could just be like maybe one yeah, true. That you have yeah. in your control deck that's very high value. It you know return all creature cards sounds amazing, but it doesn't have to be a lot to be impactful. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you yeah, if you just get back yeah, like one bolus and one Doomist or something like that, you know, you're you're I mean, if, if you know, wiping your opponent's board, getting to get you close to winning the game, this will. Yep. Um, next card I want to hit is Price of Betrayal. So if the previous card costs a lot of mana, this one costs very little. It is a single black mana for a sorcery. Remove up to five counters from target artifact, creature, planeswalker, or opponent. Um, so here we have the card, the long-awaited card for removing uh, energy counters right on time. Yeah, this would, this would be great uh, two years ago. But, uh, um, it, I mean, I mainly see this as a sideboard card for for black decks against uh, Planeswalkers. Um, the removing counters from a creature doesn't seem that great, unless there's a lot of mass running around, because then you can kill the army straight away. Removing from an artifact, there's not all that many artifacts in standard that use counters. The only one I can really think of is Treasure Map. And you don't, like, it's not a big deal to be removing those counters, because they just get to keep scrying then anyway. Um, opponent, as I said, there's there's really nothing in standard that that uh, that gives people counters, uh, players counters. So yeah, for me, it's mainly the, for the planeswalker mode. Uh, so it is a very cheap way to kill Teferi. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I, I suppose you know, it, it sometimes you won't kill him if he's on six. You won't kill him. I think like maybe I just want uh, Yellow's Elder Spell in this spot. Uh, like this does kill Hydra Kratos, which ooh, well, yeah, kills five 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 Hydra Hydra Kratos. Yeah, that's um. Uh, yeah, there's not many other things. I mean, well, I guess something like Sultai, you can, yeah. Um, like maybe yeah, if, if you're, you know, if, if they might have like um, a white grow walker that's grown in control. Uh, you can just bring it back to being a tree, <laughs> bring it back to being a one tree. Um, yeah, that doesn't seem the greatest use uh, of a card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, well, maybe post combat you can kill it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 
I think I see this as yeah. I, mean, I, I see this being a cyborg card, like you're saying. Uh, maybe the elder spells does what this is doing better. Possibly, possibly. All right. Uh, next is another single black spell. It's a spark harvest. So we see very sad image here of a uh, Domri getting getting murked by a, an eternal. So it's a uh, sort oh. as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or play pay three in a black, and it says destroy target creature or planeswalker. So it's it's if you don't sacrifice a creature. Um, then you're paying three black black for this, which is not good. Three black black for a removal spell is not standard playable. Draft playable, certainly, but not standard playable. If you're yeah. sacrificing a creature, this is better than Bone Splinters because it, it lets you kill Planeswalkers as well as creatures. So I definitely see this as a has a place in any kind of creature deck or uh, Aristocrats deck as a sacrifice outlet. Seems good. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, Bone Splinters against Planeswalkers, you know, like Bone Splinters, Bone Splinters is... is fine in in uh, decks anyway so now we have a, a better one yeah maybe even decks like um i don't know like if there was some kind of like black white weenie deck or like like that black white angels deck played like history of Manalia and sometimes hunted witness and as the the four four vigilance angel uh, or the four four angel that can have death touch or vigilance and then has afterlife so you, you might not mind uh, for, the sc- for the scales yeah 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 the scales yeah so could could find um, yeah I think I think it's fine there actually and if it's I mean I'm if you if you're playing like a deck like that with hero or precinct precinct one I guess this is this is perfect in a hero or precinct one deck that is true because you have uh, plenty of tokens lying around all right um, yeah. moving on to red we have uh, Chandra's Pyro Helix it's a one in red instant this is a, a reprint it deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two targets um, this. On its face, kind of looks worse than than a card that we already have in standard, which is dual shot. So it's single red mana for one damage to each of two target creatures. Um, but the fact that this can go to the face is good, and the fact that you don't actually need two targets for this, you can do all the damage on one target, means it's a lot more flexible than dual shot. So I think this could could be a, a control card uh, role player possibly, or even. Maybe sideboard in the mono red deck or sideboard against the mono red deck. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think I definitely undervalued this uh, for the very same reasons you listed. Um, it does on a surface, yeah, look like a worse dual shot, but yeah, there is a lot of flexibility um, with this effect. Yep. Uh, like if you're like like, like imagine if you're playing this in the same deck as like a like chain warder. Um, if you've got a plane, if your opponent has planeswalker, that's that's tick down. That's a two loyalty. Um, or even after even on three loyalty. Uh, you can just chain whirler and then cast this to, to finish it off, and you know chain whirler kind of helping your pings, you know, um, get value. Yeah, yeah. Or if if you're if you have five mana and your opponent has like two two toughness creatures, you can chain whirler and use this to to pick off both of them. Yeah, yeah it's pretty sick. Which like that does yeah. come up often, like with um with Merfolk Branchwalker and Jade Light Ranger that have explored. So like it comes up often enough. Yeah, yeah. I feel like in the in the Gruul versus Sultai matchup, I think. Getting getting to kill free Jade Light Rangers and Merfolk Branchwalkers with your um, with your Chain Whirler, I think actually swings the game a lot in your favor. It just means you can kind of like keep attacking and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. They haven't been being instant. You can you can do this you know, while you're exploring. Yep, true. Um, did we talk about Chandra's Triumph last week? I don't think we did. I don't think so. No. Um, so Chandra's Triumph is one and a red. So again, one and a red. There's lots of uh, lots of two mana red spells in this set. Um, it's an instant, and it deals three damage to a target creature or planeswalker and abandon controls. And it deals five damage 
instead if you control a Chandra Planeswalker. So the the only Chandra Planeswalker that we have in standard, as far as I know, is the one that's in this set, right? Which is like not that good. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't see her like seeing that much play because um, she's kind of just worse than Experimental Frenzy in a lot of, a lot of spots. So you probably have to evaluate this just with the, the three damage. And I think it's good. Three damage to a creature or Planeswalker is decent. Um, but at the end of the day, it's probably just, you know, it's worse than Lightning Strike. Lightning Strike does the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it really is just the quality of the Chandra in this set at three in the sound. Um, yeah. It's like, it's... as we like to talk about old cards. Imagine this Chandra, Chandra Torch of Defiance. Oh. Remember how happy we were to tick up, make mana, and uh, upgrade something? Oh my god, so good. That's so good. If you keep an eye on this for uh, Frontier or in fact, formats. We often did that with Chandra's Defeat. You would take up for the mana and then Chandra's Defeat, your opponent's Glorybringer. Yeah, 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 that's pretty sick. Um, cool. Okay, next we have Finale of Promise. So it's, uh, again, X red red for a sorcery. You may cast up to one target instant card, card and or up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard each with converted mana cost X or less without paying their mana costs. If a card cast this way will be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. If X is 10 or more, copy each of those spells twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. So, in standard, I don't know if this really has a home, but like in modern, this is another way to cast the the free spells like um, Living End and Restore Balance. From your graveyard again those those cards have no converted mana cost so you can just pay this for red red yeah or i know a lot of people are talking about this with like in phoenix decks so you can target like you can do x equals one so you're paying three mana for this and you get let's say like faithless looting and an opt or something out of your graveyard faithless looting on a serum visions not serum visions because they're both sorceries uh faithless looting and um thought scour from your graveyard, and that is your three spells to bring back Phoenix. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Yeah, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, not to mention the actual value you're getting from all those three spells. Yeah, you gotta get mention those like Phoenix rooting on both, Phoenix rooting on both. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sick. Not to mention, yeah, you, you could be using those spells to to bin even more Phoenixes. That is, I think the pretty, pretty gross. The whole X is ten here is probably never gonna happen. I want to say because, like, especially in modern, people don't usually get to that level of mana although i suppose there are decks that that focus on that and could do it but i don't know what they would be bringing back from their graveyards so yeah i think so far during finales kind of going to 10 is kind of something that happens it's something that can happen in a deck that just you know goes to goes to top decking or goes to parity or goes to long game yeah um so yeah the white and blue ones it's like oh maybe you're, oh i'll just do this for 10 it's fine whereas like if you're putting this in the phoenix deck and you end up in that kind of long game like you're not gonna get much value out of like paying 12 mana to copy your one mana spells twice no, certainly not. You want, want to be copying something probably more impactful. Yeah. And you're probably not be playing expensive instant sorcerers anyway in those kind of decks. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah you you we'll never use it. Rarely see. Extra parties. Yeah, we'll, we'll very rarely see this cast for 10 or more. Um, up next, yeah. we have Heartfire. This is another one in a red spell. It's an instant. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or planeswalker, and it deals four damage to any target. I think this is a, a good include in like the, the mono red decks so instead of like yeah maybe, maybe. instead of um what's the punisher card that they play now uh risk factor yeah risk factor instead of risk factor you just get kind of a guaranteed four damage obviously you have to have a creature in play but there are a lot of times where your creatures have been blanked and you really just need a burn spell to finish them off 
And, you know, the fact that this does four instead of three uh, kind of messes up the math for your opponent. And, you know, I mean, you can also do things like get a blocker out of the way, but, like, it's not ideal to be killing one of your one of your creatures. <laughs> yeah. One place where I think this might be kind of really good is in the mono red deck if they start using the uh, the Tybalt Planeswalker. So not only can you, Ooh. like, he makes the, the one ones that die and do one damage, so you can sacrifice those. But you can also just sacrifice him when he's when he's all used up. That's actually very good. I think, yeah, well, I, I would have that. I think just, that's definitely the way um, to both we'll see play with this because that does sound pretty nuts. Um, I think like as well, like the, the way you usually beat one of red decks is you just play a tree tree and they can't factor it. Um, so like usually you compare it to risk factor, like you know by the time you're you're, you're casting risk factor, you're kind of the mid to late game or sorry the mid game for one red, uh, you're gonna have creatures that are blanked that you're, you'd happily throw away for damage. Yeah, and obviously the thing about risk factor is. Like, it does give your opponent an awful choice where they're like, oh, well, if I let them draw three cards, then they're probably just going to draw, like, two burn spells and kill me. But sometimes when, you know, at some point it becomes not a choice for the opponent. They have to let you draw the cards rather than taking the damage because they're at four or less life. Uh, in this case... In yeah, that, yeah, exactly. In that case, this spell actually just kills them instead of giving you three draws to kill them. And usually, like, if they're at four life, then you actually need to top deck two burn spells. So I've lost many games playing red where I cast a risk factor when they're on a low life total, like four or five or whatever. And, you know, they let me draw the cards because they have to. And then I just draw like maybe mountain, mountain, fanatical firebrand. And I'm just sitting there like, well, now I lose. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a very, very new way to practice. Um, that it's, yeah. So like, sometimes we just want to get in there for four. Um, I, mean, I think it'd it been, it been like two mana, you know, pretty cheap and an instant as well. Like you can, Sometimes if, you, if you're a red, you're losing to control deck, you're like, oh, shit, the only, way, the only way you can win this is if I just manage to fire off a bunch of spells uh, in one turn, kind of like, you know, kind of like um, the way uh, Legacy Burn would. Yeah. So, I mean, this lets you do stuff like, um, you know, end of turn, hard fire, hard fire, hard fire, and start stacking your board. And it, it, obviously, it, it doesn't matter if you stack your board when you're, you're, you're getting for lethal. So you just go hard fire, hard fire, um, Wizard's Lightning, something else. Probably want to go Wizard Lightning. Like, if you cast this twice, <laughs> <laughs> Wizard Lightning first trotter, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is it's pretty brutal if this gets absorbed because you've you've thrown away a creature as well that like potentially could do damage yeah, somewhere yeah. down the line. So that's one thing to look out for. I yeah, think. true. And uh, the final yes, one in a red instant spell that I want to talk about is uh, Jaya's Greeting. That's a uh, one in a red for deals three damage to target creature and scry one. So again, I think this is like strictly a control card. Um, this one I do like better in control than Chandra's Triumph. Uh, and I also like it better than Lightning Strike because of the Scry 1. So you're, you're basically always going to want to hit a creature. Um, the type of deck that would have this card would have some other way to deal with Planeswalkers, probably like an enchantment or something. So I think the Scry 1 is is a really nice way to just get a little little bump uh, on your removal spell. Yeah, yeah. And especially if you're yeah, in a control deck, it's like if you're, if you're casting this and then fixing your draw, so make sure you hit your land drops or find another answer. Um, yeah, this, this, this does seem pretty great. All right, I'm skipping over a few things here like that I might want to talk about or we might want to talk about uh, in the future, but I'm just kind of going to I'm just going to go straight to the the next card that I think is really interesting, which is Sarkin the Masterless. So it's a 3 red red Planeswalker Sarkin, 5 starting loyalty, and his uh, his static ability is whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals 1 damage to that creature, and then he has a plus 1 until end of turn, each planeswalker you control becomes a 4-4 red dragon creature and gains flying. 
and then minus three, create a four four red dragon creature token with flying. So if you are playing like some kind of super friends deck and you already have two or three planeswalkers on the battlefield when you play Sarkin, then you can just like swing for eight or something. Um, yeah, I think it is worth noting that the the dragon creature doesn't gain haste, it just gains flying. So on the turn that you play him, if you plus one, he becomes a dragon, but he can't attack because he doesn't have haste. Yeah. But of course, without other planeswalkers on the battlefield, I think you would just create the 4-4. Four, four. So you, you get a 4-4 four, four dragon, he's sitting on two loyalty. Next turn, ideally, you plus and you attack for eight in the air. Seems very good to me. Yeah, and then to that point, that line you just described there, uh, that's like that's like the bottom. That, that's it. That's a, the floor for for Sarkhan is coming in, making a four four next turn, attacking for eight in the air. Um, that's like you know, disregarding every, all the other text he has. Um, so yeah, you can set up, you can set up lines where you know that turn, you know that bottom turn, you're you're attacking for you know, a bunch in the air, um, and then the static ability. Um, I guess it's kind of once you start taking control of the game, it makes it very hard for you to lose control of the game uh, with, that static, with that static ability. Yeah, he, he definitely, he also leads you down the path of, like, more dragons, so, like, maybe playing him with the three-mana Sarkin, but I don't know, like, apart from the Elder Dragons, what kind of dragons are in standard that you would want to be playing. Like, if if you if you just play, like, a kind of a Grixis Dragons deck with, like, a Dragon's Horde and stuff like that, is it not probably just better to play tap-out Grixis Nicol Bolas Dragon God-style deck? Um, I, I, I yeah. think it's a powerful card, but maybe without a home. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a shame that he fights with so many other dragons in this, you know, in the five CMC slot. Yeah, I, I also, yeah, I feel like Skargan Hellkite is probably better a lot of the time as well. Of course, this one is yeah. two, like it, it's it's two dragons for the price of one, but sometimes uh, killable. You know, if if they have like a shock or something, they can kill Sarkin after he's made the dragon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the worst case scenario is that they have creatures on board and then they play like Vivian minus on the dragon and then just attack Sarkin. That's like the worst case scenario. Um, and I can see that happening quite a lot <laughs> because Vivian is highly played. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, even on, on the turn he's stacking as as four four. Um, but he doesn't have Gideon's interceptable or can't take damaged uh, clause. Yeah, that is true. So he can actually just be blocked and killed. Yeah. Um, moving on to green, we have Awakening of V two Gazi, another five mana spell, three green green for an instant. Put nine plus one plus one counters on target land you control. It becomes a legendary zero zero elemental creature with haste named Vitugazi. It's still a land. What the? I was I was pretty high in this. Yeah, nine counters. Parent uh, toughness for five mana. What the hell? It's it's it has it's yeah exactly. So come up come back to our you know, flash comparison. Uh, would you pay five mana for the nine nine of flash that ETBs tapped? Uh, I mean yeah probably. And that can and they're untapped if you has if you pay one extra mana or I don't know what point but. Um, but yeah, this is this is it's a lot of power and this is speed. Um, if you uh, you can you can cast this or end of turn cast this on top. Uh, cast a spark double, get a ten ten. Uh, yeah, that is true. Ooh, and then hang on. Oh, this might be a uh, question. If we copy this, Wait, hold on. Oh yeah, it's no, still no, an hand. Well, spark double makes it uh, not legendary. Yeah. That's yeah, it. yeah. What's your idea? But then can a double tap for mana? Can, can a double tap for mana? Yes, I think so. So then, the end of turn, uh, cast this on top, spark double. Um, and then pay, uh, just then tap both of these for Galta. Well, I don't think the Spark Double can tap that turn because it would still have Summoning Sickness. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, you 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 already have mana for you. Probably just want to attack. Anyway. I mean, you you can. Well, I guess it's. I mean, because if you cast this end of turn, that's five mana. 
and then you untap and it's uh, and spark double is only four mana so yeah yeah if, if you play a land then you'll be able to galton yeah yeah so, so even like say even though that's factable that's that's the default I, th- I think this does go in the mono the monogreen copy deck uh it's a way to allow you to cast galta onto an empty board that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do mm, i don't know i kind of think the stompy deck probably wants like god eternal ronus more than this yeah that is true yeah yeah god eternal ronus is a lot better like th- this might be better in in like a ramp deck where you're generating a lot of mana or like a deck with nissa where you want lots of forests and you can ramp loads of mana so that it can actually have haste. Um, wait, does, yeah. it, does it give a haste? Oh no, it doesn't need haste because you just target a land. It's on no. the battlefield. Yeah, if if you um, yeah. yeah, if you have Nissa and you know Nissa gives you a, a mana flare, you get an extra mana for all the all the lands that you tap. So um, then you can cast this and still attack with it in the same turn. And also, she continues to put counters on. Yeah. That, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. All right, what else we got here? Okay, we got a finale of devastation. So this is the final one in cycle. It's a X green green sorcery. Search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you're uh, if you search your library this way, shuffle it. And if X is ten or more creatures you control, get plus X plus X and gain haste until end of turn. That seems okay. Yeah, I think this this is this one. I think was this will see play. This is yeah better than the others. Mm, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, it's it's similar um, to green. So Green Sun Zenith is uh, very similar to this, just it only costs a single green, and the uh, you can only search for a green green creature with Green Sun Zenith. So this one allows you to get any creature you want. Um, and of course, the X is 10, then they're getting plus X plus X, so they're getting at least plus 10 plus 10, and haste. Um, what's the best creature you can get with this in standard, or do you see this more in other formats? Um, I suppose I see this in standard, but in, in like a in a Vanifar toolbox deck with a load of, whole load of one-ups. Um, something like using this to go get uh, a Chupacabra, or no, yeah, yeah, go get a Chupacabra, go get a uh, Detention, Deputy, Deputy of Detention, uh, go get Knight of Autumn, so whatever whatever creature you need. Um, if Then I think if we're in a deck with a lot of mana, you can go get Zakama win the game. Yeah, could do. Uh, Zakama's converted mana cost is nine, right? Yeah. And does Zakama have Trample? I think it does. Zakama has a lot of things. Um, go check. <laughs> So, like, if it's nine anyway, you might as well pay the one extra mana to give it plus ten plus exactly. Eight. Yeah, I mean, it has uh, it has vigilance, reach, and trample. Okay, so it would have vigilance, reach, trample, haste. Sounds good. Yeah, you can tap all the lands control, and then you can do all other crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, such a dumb card. Again, you, you could do this in uh, in that Nissa deck with the mana flare ability. So, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the thing with Nissa is if you're playing all forests. And it's not just basic forests, I think, for Nissa. I think you can have um you can have like breeding pool or overgrown tomb or whatever. So if you're playing all forests, Nissa ramps you from five to fourteen mana the next turn. So you can actually yes. reasonably play this for X equals ten. That is pretty good, yeah. Because not only does she double double your, your mana from forests, but she also untaps one of the forests. So I believe that's the, the math. And then if you Yeah. I mean, if you ramp her out on turn four, I guess is the earliest you can get her out, right? No, probably turn three is the earliest you can get. She's five mana, so if you play, like, if you play a Llanowar Elves turn one into like any other ramp creature turn two, then you can play her on turn three, and then you untap on turn four, you play a land, you've got eight, nine, ten, ten mana. It's pretty good. No, eleven mana because of yeah. that. So still pretty good. Ooh, yeah. Which is exactly enough yeah, to go with this. Yeah. 
not give a haze though. Uh, what what about in modern? Do you see this as kind of a toolboxy thing? Like I know Green Sun Zenith was was a big uh, part of modern before it was banned. I, I want to say, uh, I th- yeah, I think it was wasn't it didn't start banned in the format, right? Ooh, I don't know. Possibly it did. I, I actually, I, I, I started banned. I don't know for sure. Um, well, it's it's definitely a very very powerful card that, <laughs> that should say banned. Uh, I think just having yeah extra extra green in its mana cost is uh make, makes does it does make it a lot worse than green green sun zenith because that's also like one of the one of the real broken things that a uh, green sun zenith does in Exi is um you know go get a dry art or turn one yes um which obviously uh, this can't do but like this cannot do that yeah I mean it's yeah I mean it's trying to think of like yeah so it's it's kind of comparable to, comparable to quarter calling modern um yep. quarter calling obviously has a is is convoke but um. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it could slot into decks like that. Um, could provide maybe redundancy for for a deck like that, or in a kind of a, a combo kind of deck. Um, like the uh, yeah, something like you know, like like your Zier uh, combo. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not figuring up those decks to be able to say for sure if this fits or if this will just breed a separate archetype. Um, okay, so we will move on to the multicolor cards now. Uh, have we talked about Angrash already? I think we have. No, sorry, sorry. Uh, just just before. Oh, Ooh, I think we have. Sorry, that's green. Um, one of the to mention was uh, Paradise Druid. Have we mentioned Paradise Druid? I don't think we have talked about that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, very quickly, this, this Paradise Druid is a uh, one green for uh, two one. Um, it has hexproof as long as it's untapped. I can tap to add one mana and any color, any color. Uh, this this is bananas. I mean, compare this to other two animated orcs we had in the past. Um, like remember, like back in the Teamer Energy Teamer Energy days, uh, how important it was for you to kill uh, um, a, a servant a servant of the conduit. Before they could ramp into into their four drop. Good, good memory. There. Like this, you just can't kill. Yeah, good memory. That's, that's a big part of my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but I think um, like yeah, this, this is bananas because you, you, you can't interact with this until it's already until your opponent's gotten value out of it. Yeah, I mean it's not as good as some mana dorks we've had at two in the past. Like obviously, um, um, Sylvan Carry Added comes to mind. So Sylvan Sylvan Carry Added was from like Taros. It was one in the green for an O three with hexproof. And a tap for one mana of any color, so I think that was probably better because it had hexproof all the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Three stats helped you like like defend while while ramping. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is certainly it's a bit of a callback to that, and the fact that it has two power means that it can you know it can swing in for like not insignificant amounts once it's finished doing its ramping job. And yeah, it's it's a roadblock. Yeah. Uh, if you need to block with it, you can because it has hexproof. So yeah, I think it's uh, definitely think it's really good. It taps for one man of any color, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's I think yeah, it's really good. It does die to Weller, but yeah, I, I think it's one to look out for definitely. Oh, dies um, to Weller. I don't don't like that. Yeah, that is. <laughs> hopefully, that won't be relevant for a long, for much longer. I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Talk about Angrath's rampage. I think we did. I think I I selected that a few. Weeks oh, so yeah, the, the, yeah. You're happy with that. Yeah. yeah. You like it? It's good. Yeah. Good card. Um, casualties of war. Two black, black, green, green sorcery. Choose one or more. Destroy target artifact. Destroy target creature. Destroy target enchantment. Destroy target land. And destroy target planeswalker. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to take this card seriously because it does just. It might as well have an EDH watermark on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like six spots to do, <laughs> do all of these things. Um, no, I think it's too slow. Like, what else? Like, um, well, finality. Finality. Finality is six mana, right? Yeah. I got five. Um, so we compete with that in, in, in full type. Uh, I mean, if, if your opponent is unfortunate enough to, fortunate enough to have, uh, you know, five diverse threats, uh, this is back 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 bending. But um, it's you know, it's 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 mana cost is inflexible. Otherwise, 
Yeah, I don't see this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't love it. Um, but it, it is an interesting tool. I mean, it, it literally is hate for everything. But like six mana is, is definitely. Yeah. Although if you, you know, if you manage to use every mode, then you're getting each one for a mana and a bit. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a five for one. Yeah, if you if you uh, I'm I'm sure like the average case will be destroy a land and a creature, which is still quite good for six mana. Um, yeah, if you get any more than that, it's probably really really good. Yeah, land creature planeswalker. Um, that's the point where you're you're like you you be turning the game around, I guess with with that. Yeah, definitely. One card. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got uh, D Spark. I love this card. It's a white black. So Exile target permanent with converted mana cost four or greater, and this is uh, depicting the moment when Bolas loses his spark. Yeah, this is um, <laughs> this uh, incidentally, Kaplan's killed every Bolas ever printed. Um, yes, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely uh, be an important card in standard. Uh, it's comparable to uh, I'm going to say other end. Is that my my saying that right? Yeah. Uh, from from the cans block. From cans, yeah. That was uh, that was, was, that, yeah, that was four mana exile target non permanent. Yeah, um, this is like yeah. Half price, but uh, with a restriction. I mean, it's, it's kind of it's yeah. It's almost like you know, because this is so cheap, you'd be looking to cast this on uh, permanent so CMC four or greater anyway. You know, once of time. <laughs> so yeah, kind of like You're not a restriction. Yeah, you know what I mean? Good mana advantage from this. Uh, yeah, doing stuff like yeah, playing the fairy and untap and then kill their oldest god pharaoh. That's or oldest um dragon god. Oh, uh, it's pretty good. You're killing me here. I know. <laughs> I wasn't happy with this card too, David Wolf. I, I want to cast this on Teferi. I want to exile Teferi with this. I don't want to be playing Teferi and exile something with this. As good as that sounds. <laughs> Why not? You don't like winning? Teferi's annoying now. You got to tick up with the two lands you untap. Yeah. Um, this is, this is, it's comparable to tick up Chandra Torch of Lions and cast uh, uh, Chandra's Defeat on the Glorybringer. Yes. Uh, this is going to be the new, this is going to be the new that. Yeah, it's a good good line of play. Um, <laughs> I mean, when when I look at this card, what comes to my mind is the first pre-release I was ever at, uh, Kansas Tarkir, and I remember people were discussing the card Disdainful Stroke, which is a uh, one in blue counter target. Oh yeah, converted mana cost four or greater, and everyone was saying, "Well, no, actually, I think it was Ollie. Ollie was saying um, the text essentially is counter target spell you care about." And I feel like the same would be applied here. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. This also kills. Yeah, like if if you're wilderness reclamation. Oh, very important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I feel like the only game-ending permanent that this doesn't kill is Hydra Crisis. Yeah. Like apart from that, it does. It's it's um kills a uh, oh what's it called um experimental frenzy. Yep. Like it it doesn't help you out against early aggression, and obviously control decks need that. But I think this can be played in a lot of diverse decks. I think it can be played played again in like. Black White Angels or uh, some kind of like Mardu uh, tokens deck, maybe out of the sideboard, probably. Um, just the fact that it hits any permanent is what puts it over the top for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, like your yeah, comparison to the same stroke killing or countering spell you care about. It's like yeah, there's, there's very few permanents that will threaten your that will that will threaten to win the game that don't die to this. If you're so, if you're a parody or if you're um. You know, and if, if, you're, if you're a head or a party, you have this in your hand, you know that there's no way you can, you can lose. Yes. Um, okay, moving on to Domri, Anarch of Bolas. One red-green, uh, legendary planeswalker Domri. Three loyalty. Uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, is the uh, static ability. 
And plus one, add red or green creature spells you cast this turn can't be countered. And that's not just the, the creature that you spend that mana on, unlike the other Domri. So the other Domri is like, add red or green, and if you use that mana to, to cast a creature spell, it gains Riot. But this actually doesn't care if you use that mana to cast a creature. It's just all creature spells you cast this turn can't be countered, which is weird. It's like another static ability, but only if you plus it. And then there's a minus two target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So I, I think this card is really good, and I think it would slot very well into the current like Gruul mid-range decks, because I think I feel like you could you could probably trim a couple of removal spells from them if you wanted this Domri, because not only does it give you game against um, gives you game against planeswalkers by saying creature spells you control or you cast can't be countered, but it also gives you game against mid rangey decks or like Sultai, where you can get your creatures, which are usually much bigger, to fight their creatures. So it's another another removal spell. And then the plus one plus oh obviously just helps to, to get the opponent dead much faster. Uh, yeah, I I don't want to say anything about this card because I think we talked about it before and I don't want to contradict what I said last week because I can't remember what I said last week. No, we, I don't think we talked uh, about it. But are we sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, I uh, I, I agree with what you said anyway. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it does seem, it seem, it seem good for that. Because I think, did we talk about how the plus one and minus two are good in different matchups? Uh, oh, maybe we did. Maybe you're right. That could have been another... I think I, I think that was the point I made, but everything else, like you said about it, is, is good. And that, that, that's that's ability. Um. Yeah, I think like if you, even if you go wide even a little bit, that ability is gonna like probably take a turn off the clock. You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I hope we haven't repeated ourselves there. Okay. Uh, heartwarming redemption. This is the the spell that we mentioned oh, yeah. at the at the start of the podcast, um, where Gideon's like a ghost or some some stuff. Uh, it's a uh, two red white for an instant. Discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards plus one. You gain life equal to the number of cards in your hand. This is a weird spell. Yeah, I mean, there is a... This is card advantage. Yeah, it is... Um, oh, no, sorry. Um, but, like, you... Um, there, there, there is, like, a Mario Control deck that's, like, really kind of aim in the life game with Fountain of Renewal with a Donna Hope. Um, a whole lot of... Um, yeah, kind of, like, 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 like the cycling life game kind of cards, uh, which this definitely does fit into. Um, I don't necessarily know if this is the effect that that deck was missing. Um, but, like, yeah, because I, I think it's, it's... I'd almost want to be kind of getting some kind of advantage from, from discarding from my graveyard or whatever uh, for this card to be worth it, because... I don't know. You could come on, kind of compare this to something like uh, Tormenting Voice or Cathartic Reunion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it. Unless someone figures out some kind of uh, interaction with it that I can't see, I'm not, not, I'm not on board. I mean, I think it is a powerful effect, but I just don't really see it yeah. at the moment. Um, and I think you are right that you probably want some synergy from the graveyard. But, you know, we do have red jumpstart cards in standard. So, and you don't, you don't just have yeah, to be exactly. red, white. You can, you, you know, if you're playing like Jeskai or something. You could be putting chemistry sites into the graveyard with this, and then you gain probably a bunch of life. So yeah, it could be um like there, there's Jeskai Drakes before. Maybe this is like it's kind of like an instant speed pump for your Drakes. Uh, yeah, it could be. I guess yeah, that's true. You could dump like a load of instants and sorceries in your in your graveyard, and then you gain a bunch of life, so you can be attacked back for um for lethal or whatever. So yeah, maybe. And also, just uh, let's call out the the absolute feels of the uh of the flavor text on this card. Kithian had known war. So Kithian, first of all, so it's his original Therosian name. Kithian had known war every day of his life. Now he finally knew peace. And in the art, he's... he's that is. And also they announced the uh, the signature spellbook, Gideon. And uh, Rest in Peace is one of the cards with a, a monument of Gideon as the art. Oh, so many feels. It's very, very emotional. It'd be like, um, if, if I liked Gideon, I would be sad. <laughs> but I wasn't really mad about him. 
<laughs> I think everyone likes him. But this is, yeah, I, guess I definitely like him a lot more now. And it's, it's, this, this is such a great end to his arc, you know, especially how we were kind of saying it, his, his story was like, um, oh, like a, the hubris of man kind of, kind of story where he, he kind of like thought he could fight the gods. His hubris ended up killing uh, all the lads. Um, now all the lads have forgiven him in the afterlife because he gets to be a piece of them. Yay. <laughs> all right i probably just want to hit like two more cards here and then maybe we can talk about one brew each um so uh, yeah the next one i want to talk about is oath of kaya so kaya has now joined the Gatewatch. she is our the spell is one white black for a legendary enchantment when it enters the battlefield it deals three damage to any target and you gain three life and whenever an opponent attacks a planeswalker you control with one or more creatures oath of kaya deals two damage to that player and you gain two life seems really good yeah it's just just this seems like a head and shoulders above uh, all the other oats. Um, I mean, at least all the yeah, other. This is this is fantastic, right? I think it's probably the best one since Oath of Chandra and Oath of Nissa. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, all of this was pretty good. Like, I guess it's it's, it's yeah, but like 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 well, lightning helix, uh, sorcery speed lightning helix. Yeah, is good. still good. even even the cost of more is going to be very very good at standard. Yeah. And then the the bonus, obviously, if you're playing it in some kind of Super Friends deck, or even just if you're playing it in Esper Control, and you have um, you have Teferi, at least you get that kind of rebate of two life if they're attacking your Teferi and killing it. Yeah, seems very good. The final card that I want to talk about is Tyrant's Scorn. So it's a blue-black for an instant, and it says, choose one, destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less, and return target creature to its owner's hand. So this kind of... Uh, Shores up the weaknesses of D-Spark, I guess. So D-Spark gets permanence four or greater. This gets creatures three or less. And then you can it can also be a, a bounce spell for a creature. You can bounce one of your own creatures to save it if you happen to have creatures in this deck that you're playing. Or you can bounce your opponent's creatures. Yeah, so I, I've, I've always been a fan of uh, just like Unsummon uh, as a card. Um, you know, obviously, the answer to Unsummon is a, it's a card advantage and it's not always good. Uh, I think kind of attaching Unsummon onto just a flat-out removal spell uh, it's a very good move and something that I'm excited about. And this is going to lead, this is going to lead, lead to a lot of really cool plays. And then when it doesn't, you know, when when it doesn't lead to cool plays, you're just going to kill. Yeah, a tree drop. Yeah, just fine. Exactly. Um, all right, I think that's. I think we've gone through most of the like constructed playable cards. Yeah, I think there's one uh, we have met, we have mentioned, uh, which I think everyone has forgotten about. Uh, we have Ugin, new Ugin, the ineffable. Okay. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that one very quickly. I love yeah. this guy, actually. Uh, yeah. So. Now, now that you mention him, I, I really want to put him into the Grixis deck that we're brewing because he deals with any permanent, so he kind of uh, shores up Grixis's weakness. But anyway, you you read him. Oh, shit, yeah. Ooh, you're going to have to mark this as explicit because, yeah, I, I, I didn't even see that. But uh, yeah, so he's uh, six generic mana, um, Planeswalker, legendary Planeswalker, Ugin. Uh, static ability is colorless spells you cast cost two generic mana less to cast. Uh, he comes in with four loyalty. A plus one is exiled, top card of your library, face down. And look at it. Create a 2-2 colorless spirit creature token. When that, that, that token leaves the battlefield, put the exile card into your hand. Uh, and its minus three is a destroy target permanent that's one or more colors. Um, yeah. yeah, like I say, this is a yeah, it's basically a colorless answer to a lot of permanents. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, short of the weakness of Xagrixes uh, and maybe maybe weaknesses of other cards. Um, uh, so as you know, once I knew Ugin was going to be in this set, I was very excited to see uh, well, whether or not he'd fit into Tron. And uh, looking at this one, I think that he does fit into Tron. I think it's <laughs> going to take a lot of... I mean, it's definitely worth experimenting with. Uh, he's competing with Wormcoil Engine at his slot. Um, uh, well, I mean, I mean it's, and he is you know, a low power level, definitely compared to the other things that uh, that um, Tron is doing, you know, once Tron is online. 
like his static ability is 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 absolutely insane because there's so many uh, you know colorless spells in in Tron that cost two or less that you can just you know, play for free. Uh, so usually like in Tron, yeah, sometimes they get their you know, Tron online, sometimes they turn three turn and the game's over. But kind of the most interesting games are you know when let's say post board when your opponent's kind of bringing in some hate when your Tron is being disrupted or if you're you know if you're a little bit slower than usual. Uh, like once you get him on the battlefield, he just actually just don't Ugin will just let you tear through your deck like so quickly. Uh, you can just dump dress your hand out. You can uh, if you have turn three Tron, you can cast him and Ozone on the same turn. Uh, a lot of games are decided by if you have Tron uh, and Ugin, if you have Tron Ugin in your hand. Uh, usually games are decided on you know can you make your fourth land drop be your second tower? If you do, you win the game uh, because you can just cast Ugin. But uh, Ugin, you know you can just have Tron plus any other land uh, to cast uh, Ugin. Hmm. Um, and now I don't want to compare him to Karn because obviously, obviously Karn's a lot better like in a lot of matchups and I think this will depend on where, where the modern format is uh, usually you usually you're, you're going to turn three play Karn you're going to minus on their biggest threat um, and then you know, just let Karn die to backswing while you kind of get ready to play you know, your second haymaker uh, to close the game out so in matchups like that um, Ugin is more or less doing the same thing as Karn because uh, a lot of the time you just want to you know, minus on an opponent's death shadow, or minus on a Gurmag angler, or minus on a on a, a you know a large crackling drake or something. So like in the matchup in in, in the matchups where you're doing that with Karn anyway, uh, Ugin just fits right in. This new Ugin fits right in. Does the same. While also just you dump your hand out to get your next uh, get your next you know big drop. Yeah, I, I do like that his uh, his static ability is kind of a callback to Eye of Ugin, but like slightly better. Yep. And yeah. do you know what permanent is one or more colors? Uh, many, but. What are you thinking of? Blood Moon. Blood Moon. Cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see this one, and so as well. Well, when you're when you're a, when you're a Tron avocado like me, <laughs> you know that when you get Karn down, you don't mind this on the Blood Moon. You you just keep on going up, and uh, you lock your opponent out using their own Blood Moon. You minus under islands. That's what you do. True. Don't minus on the Blood Moon. Well, yeah, which I suppose. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think it's you can't minus on anybody's islands with the Ugin, but. Uh... Yeah, that's true. But one mana cheaper as well than than Karn when you're locked out of of your Tron lands, so you can get him down a turn earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he's actually worth experimenting with. Um, maybe he like there's a few flex boxes in in, in Tron that you know, usually change based on the meta. Um, some people kind of change the number of Rogue Engines to play between two and three. Uh, I think right now people are playing four uh four Relic Genesis, which is you know a lot more unusual. I think if if there's more room to play fewer Relics, uh, or you know, fewer Oracle engines than you know, can, can closely play. Um, you can also be in the Eldrazi Tron deck. I mean, obviously you can cast him off Eldrazi Temple, uh, but like him, 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 yeah, acting as an eye Ugin. Like imagine like, you on top of Ugin and just play two, two Reality Smashers. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, so it's definitely what to look out for. And then now, I mean, we haven't even mentioned his plus. Like it's just so, his plus is, his plus protects himself and his card advantage. Yeah, yeah, his, his plus is really good. Quite rare to have both. His plus seems really good in standard. Where you can just plus and then yeah. like block with that card and then put it in your hand. Mm, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely happy to experiment with Ugin and uh, yeah, in Tron and in Standard. All right. Um, I was gonna maybe start talking about some some brews here, but I think uh, I think we're kind of short on time, so we might just wrap it up this week and and make next week our our brew week. I mean, we we haven't got this list filled out here, so we should probably yeah, we could be quite next week to a complete list of decks before we start talking about them but just to tease the listeners i'll I'll, get, I'll run down the names of the decks that we have and we'll we'll talk about them <laughs> yeah next right. week. so some some of these decks don't exist yet i just wrote them down because i had an idea i wrote down the name 
but because I, I had an idea, but then I didn't fill them out. So starting starting off, Jeskai Ral combo, Teamer Ral combo, Naya Hero, Grixis Control. That one obviously is completely filled out. Uh, blue green Hadana's climb, blue black Amas, red green Stompy, red black Zombies. Although I've since changed that to be just mono black. Uh, Bant Vanivar, Thud deck wins with under which I've written. Dreadhorde Butcher, Collision, Thud, Boom, 21. Uh, Oro's Feather. Uh, what else we got here? Green White Proliferate. Esper Control. Jund Warriors. Mardu Tokens. Mardu Control. Black White Angels. Green Stompy and Mono Red. So the, that's all the ideas that I've had so far. Uh, some of them are, are fleshed out. Some of them are not so much. Uh, and some of them are probably not going to be good decks. But, you know, throw some stuff at the wall, see what sticks. So we'll uh, we'll refine those and probably add more to it over the next week, and we'll come back with a full report on our uh, standard new standard decks. And I think by by the time we record next week, we'll actually have War of the Spark on Arena, so we can start maybe testing these. I think we'll only have it by one day, maybe. so we'll see. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll probably have a pre-release done I'm with some of these by then as well. Pre-release next weekend. Yeah, what you say there? I'm excited. Uh, no, I think we'll probably have a pre-release done as well uh, oh. by the time record again. Yes, I won't, but you will. Yeah. All right. Class. Very nice. So uh, we'll leave it there for this week. If anybody has any deck ideas or wants to correct us on any of the uh, lore or anything that I talked about without knowing anything this week, um, you can email us, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at skullcrack. That's uh, C-R-A-I-C. And that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cool. Bye-bye. Wolf versus Wolf. <laughs> um, we have some more cards from uh, this Dreaded Thread I made of um, asking people about cards that were misevaluated uh, during spoiler season. Oh, okay. During spoiler season. So I've, yeah, so I got some comments that people have said about cards that ended up being quite wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, tell you, I'm going to read it, comment, and see if you can get them. Um, so as opposed to last week, these are uh, shorter and cryptic, like more cryptic. Hmm. Um, and they will, uh, uh, they, and these are for, these are all from uh, more recent sets. Okay. All right. So the first one. Yeah, this is below rate for standard, as we have better four four flyers right now. Below rate for standard, as we have better four four flyers right. Now. Um, was this Sphinx of Foresight, something like that? Was it a Sphinx? No, it was not a Sphinx. So I suppose this is a this is a the card is bad. The card turned out to be very good. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Four four flyers. Uh, Scargan Hellkite. Uh, no, no. This is uh, this is Glorybringer. What? Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> people, are, people are comparing it to Avazin. I know. I know. <laughs> it was like, that was, that was an easy one to see. Wow. I think Glorybringer was kind of dropped at the start of the set. And yeah, it took a, it took until week one of standard before people realized how broken it was. Yeah. That, um, I do remember that card was like very cheap when it was spoiled. And then like it just kind of was slowly creeping up over many days. And then it just like exploded in price. It, it obviously was never really that expensive at all. It came back down straight away. But just for like. Yeah. I think it was like the first weekend it went up to like 10 or 12 euro or something like that and then slowly came back down. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, so here we have it. 
significantly better than Servant of the Conduit. Significantly better than Servant of the Conduit. And then it turned out not to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Something comparable to it. Hmm. The Druid of the Cowl? No? Uh, no, close. Um, this is Chandler Initiate. The 3-4 with, with minus one, minus one counters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was fine, I guess, but... Um, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it did, did not replace... Did not replace Servant as a two-drop. No. Uh, all right, number three. This is uh, this is going to be insane in modern and legacy. Uh, now listen, listen to this for lists of cards or lists of relevant cards. This is going to be insane in modern and legacy. It shuts down Scavenging News, Spell Skite, Vet Right Shaman, and Sense Eyes of Binding Top. Um, I is this um is this the fight through it card? The one. Yes, a... that is. This is, this is harsh, harsh mentor. Harsh mentor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah people were, were very high in that. It doesn't really down <laughs> it turned out. Because you just shut down scavenging news. Yeah, it doesn't really. Because you just, uh, I mean, you lose life, but you also gain life. So, meh. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I do question the accuracy of some of these, of these random comments. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, right, this one is are quite a bit better than combustible gear hulk, and we'll see play. <laughs> quite a bit better. It's a two for one, I guess. Gear hulk, combustible gear hulk. Um, okay, I'm not really sure how. What does that mean? This card ended up being good. Yeah. Oh, this, this, this card was very, very bad. Um, it was very bad. Um, so, well, I guess it was, it was kind of, oh, this is a hard one. It, it was from a different section of most we hear Gear Hulk, but was comparable to it. I know, I know what it is. What is it? Itali? Yes. Ooh, that's a very hard one. Yeah, yeah. People people like Itali. Um, I think comparing it to Combustible Gear Hulk is, is not much you want to do because Combustible Gear Hulk wasn't great in the first place. Also, Combustible Gear Hulk is definitely better than Itali. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Kieran played Combustible Gear Hulk in Legacy GP. Yeah. It's a Legacy playable. Didn't he? Didn't he twenty someone with it or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was like a someone just chose to reveal the cards, and he just went to go Emerald Seek Attack or something like that. Yeah, Emerald Seek Attack Brainstorm. Next one. Okay, this is a uh, right number five. Just speaking of of uh, of um, legacy, this fits perfectly in the Grixis Delver as it combos with Cabal, with Cabal Therapy and Young Pyromancer. Um, combos with Cabal Therapy and Young Pyromancer. Yes. Is it like something to do with the wizard? Uh, no, no. Okay. It's not Murmuring Mystic, is it? Uh, no, it's not, no. Hmm. I just realized I forgot the name of this card. You forgot the name of the card? Yeah. Well, if you don't know it, how am I supposed to know it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it, what's it called? It's um, the four-mana true two bird uh, bone something. What's it called? Oh! The flyer. Last uh, one, if something decide. Yes, I know the one you're talking about, yes. Um, I want to say it's like something scavenger. What one scavenger? Obviously, I'm not prepared for this at all. Uh, no, you, you know what it is. Uh, people thought it'd be good in Legacy. Um, Andre Gucci had a video, had a, a Legacy video uh, of him uh, trying out. Um, oh, good God, what's it called? Bone, bone bird, bone bird, and Legacy. <laughs> it was from uh, Amon oh, or Devastation, wasn't it? Yeah, Bone Picker. Bone Picker. Yes, that's what it was. Um, all right, uh, we have three more. Okay, three mana for a two-two of vigilance. I don't want to pay that much for that. And since they'll see it coming. They'll be able to adapt their board to deal with the anthem. Um, first thing that comes to my mind is Dan at the Capuchin, but she's not actually good. So I'm going to say History of Benalia. Yeah. Uh, yes, this was History of Benalia. Yeah. People were quite low on that because it's a very boring looking card, I guess, uh, for a method. It's a very what? A boring card? It's just boring looking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely it looks underwhelming, but it's actually fantastic. Yeah, turns out. Uh, okay, number seven. Speaking of. Uh, Easter and Good Friday. It starts off with Jesus Christ. This could be better than Cast Down. For two mana, you can kill Hazret and a Phoenix in one turn. For two mana, you kill Hazret and a Phoenix in one turn. Yeah. What? Um. I. I this is strictly correct, but um, 
I guess. Uh, yeah, so you can, you can, yeah. I have absolutely no idea. Hold on, better than Cast Down, so it was printed after Cast Down. Yeah, uh, well, it's printed, uh, yes, yeah, well, not quite, but yes. Oh, same set? Yes, yeah, same set as, as Cast Down. It was in Dominaria. Um, yeah. I really have no idea. No, this is, it's a vicious offering. Oh, uh, okay. How? Oh, okay. It, um, it kills Hazorite and Phoenix, not on the same turn, but either one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah. Was, you can kill your own Phoenix. Maybe that's what it's supposed to be. Kill your own Phoenix. Or you can protect your... Oh, yeah, I think it was supposed to be... You can protect your Phoenix from removal. Uh, kill Hazorite. Yeah, I see. Um, yeah, so I, I have paraphrased some of these to make it less obvious which card was. Um, in this case, I paraphrase it, so it was incorrect. Um, all right, last one. This is another removal spell. Uh, you don't want removal spells that are good when you're ahead and bad when you're behind. It's not a card that we should appraise by its best case scenario. Huh. Um, good when you're ahead and bad when you're... I'm trying to think what, what card is like that. It, it, this is a card in standard now, is it? Yeah. Not Frasca's Contempt, is it? No, it's not. No. This is, uh, this is Wizard's Lightning. Ah. That's yeah, good. I guess this person obviously was, was, was uh, assessing this as a, as a removal spell rather than you know, a burn spell. Yeah. Or a very aggressive all-in deck. All right, so maybe some of our very clever listeners have noticed, but David, Wolf, do you know anything that all of these quotes have in common? All these quotes? Yeah. Are they... They're not from me, are they? Uh, most of them are, yes. These are all from our show. Uh, I, I went back and did a deep dive on our previous previous uh, episodes, and these are all things that we have said about cards, unfortunately. Oh, dear. Um, they, weren't, they weren't... I mean, for what it's worth... It wasn't all me. No, no. Uh, I think there's two instances that stood out in my head. Um, you were very, very low on History Banalia. Uh, Kieran was trying to convince you for ages that History Banalia was good, and you were having none of it. Um, then at the same time, you know, in that same episode, uh, Kieran is very, very low on Wizards Lightning, and you were spending a lot of time uh, convincing him that it actually was good. Well, <laughs> this is uh, quite, well, so quite the exercise in humility. Yes, and I guess you know, even better is that you know, I obviously have not picked things I've said myself that were wrong. <laughs> I think there's something I said. Um, uh, I think I, I was very high in Vicious Offering. Um, I think I said this garbled quote um, that you can protect a phoenix and kill Azra in one turn. Mm, okay. uh, well, I, yeah, but to be fair, we we we, we it was this is kind of hard to pick out examples because we don't really we didn't really do much hyperbole like all the times you'd say this could be this could see play this might be good. Uh, it was kind of hard to find examples that we, we got kind of cut out on. But um, yeah, all that matters is that I'm right, you Kieran are wrong. Um, having said that, uh, I will say um, on the 20th of April 2019 that uh, Ugin Deathful will top eight modern GP. Um, by the end of the year, that's what's what I'm really I'm, I'm willing to be humbled by. What What are you going to eat if you're wrong? <laughs> I will eat even the spirit dragon. No, oh, no, I don't eat anything. I eat my humble pie. You're not going to eat anything. No, I'll eat my no. I don't. I, I'll eat a, a a lovely chicken fillet roll. Okay, if I'm wrong or right, <laughs> either way, <laughs> I'll enjoy it less if I'm wrong. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the that's the bet then. So our, our, we have to keep keep an eye out for the rest of the year to make sure that we don't miss if uh, Ugin makes top eight of uh, modern GP. All right, that's yeah. I'll I'll be watching. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.